0: Okay, guys, welcome. Welcome to uh, Sunday Night Clinics, Masters of Baseball. We are a forum of of positive, honest exchanges for the betterment of players and families. And with the Masters of Baseball, our agenda is to help players all over the country that participate in 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 the youth baseball environment. Like I do every week, this conversation will be a positive, information to help you we do not go the negative way we stay positive and everything that the instructors that do the clinics talk about has to do with helping the player and the family in their process through this youth baseball environment it is a clinic to help players and families grow in our great game this form of baseball talk and sharing philosophies and beliefs is for you the player the family member the youth and high school college coach. It is a forum for all of us to grow as coaches, as parents, and as people. Tonight, we are fortunate to have Danielle Martin. She is a professional mental skill coach. She has become known for her unique and impressive combination of traits and talents that make her a leading mental skills coach for professional teams, players, in a variety of sports, she is the founder and ambassador of True Mindsets. Danielle's passion is to cultivate a message of personal protection from the inside out. She helps people identify their natural mental and physical strengths and encourages them to, to own their intuition. She began the mindset and performance coaching in 2017. She was inspired by the late and great Ken Revisa. A famous and remarkable sports psychology consultant that built incredible relationships and worked with some of the best, best athletes worldwide. Her mentor and colleague, Dr. Reggie Cochran, recognized the gift Danielle possessed and encouraged her process and growth back into the world of sports as a promising mindset coach. Danielle has become one of the most exclusive mindset and performance coaches in sports. She attended and graduated from UCLA as a student athlete. She has published her first book, True from the Inside Out, in 2017. Danielle currently resides in San Diego with her sons, Bryce and Brody. Danielle, welcome to the clinics.
1: Thank you, Budge. I really appreciate it. Uh, hi, everybody. Thank you guys for joining Tonight, I'm really excited and humbled, grateful to be able to come and speak on a platform when it regards young athletes and helping them to maximize their personal and professional potential. So I'm really excited. Thank you.
0: All right. Let's get going here, Danielle. I'm, I'm fired up to have you on here. <laughs> I'm fired up for our people to get to listen to you. Uh, I know the other day when we talked for a half hour, I just, I mean, my hair on my neck was crawling. I was so excited to (laughs) chance for everybody to hear you.
1: Ah, thank you so much. Well,
0: question one, go. let's talk about your background. What made you want to do what you do and why you're necessary in helping a person's mental process?
1: Well, you know, I, I never trust a coach who doesn't have a coach. So first and foremost, you know, I really owe it to my mentors and I was fortunate enough to come across uh, Reggie Cochran, who's Chuck Norris's right-hand guy, and have been able to be a part of, you know, everything that they're doing. And they're just such amazing people. But, you know, having a mentor and kind of my own performance coach along the way has really helped me to and steer me into kind of what I believe is my purpose at this point. I think you grow up and you have your, what you think you're going to do, what you think you're going to be. And you realize that life sometimes has other things for you. And, you know, I think athletes too, we always think like that pro sport is our purpose. It's the be all and, you know, end all, but really, you know, I've really seen that sports for me and being an athlete, there's no greater honor, but it's just proved as this really tremendous and wonderful um, life experience and platform for me to launch off of and to go straight into my purpose. So, you know, I think um, the opportunity and just the service that my mentors have provided for me, the influence. And, um, you know, that's really why I am doing what I do. And also just, I think that we're here um, and when we, you know, you have purpose and you live like that, you you get knocked down a lot and, and you learn to get back up and you learn what true resiliency is. You learn what true adversity is and you learn that great strength comes from adversity and without that you know um uh, i just i wouldn't be able to be here doing what i do so i'm very fortunate
0: okay so let's go with let's start with what's going on here in the last two three years with all the outside interference uh kids uh you know how they they react can you talk about what you're seeing you work with professional athletes you work with um you know a businessman you work with kids you work with high school kids college kids can you tell us what the atmosphere is out there in the mindset and what kids are going through mentally right now
1: yeah you know yeah I can actually and you know I'm very passionate about it and you know very protective about it too and it's been um it's tremendous I think that you know I I, I was grateful that you sent me um, the list of questions. And I've record. Uh, I've kind of incorporated some of what I wanted to bring here tonight, you know, beyond the questions. And that's just exactly what you said is the atmosphere right now. And you take the situation of, you know, first and foremost, being disabled to basic social skills with cell phones. You know, I, I, I don't know everybody's age on this phone, but I think um, a lot of coaches and adults, parents in, in the age range of having college kids and even kids that are younger, you know, I was in the generation that was here before cell phones grew up when cell phones came in and watched my parents doing that and then obviously have my own. And, but the kids, my, my kids don't know life without that. And when kids have cell phones and they're, I, you know, they're just kind of self-absorbed into their phone, they start becoming isolated from basic social skills. They're disabled of it they're not looking up reading body language they have no situational awareness a lot of the time and when you're an athlete and trying to go and learn in these environments with coaches and you don't have that you know things can be misconstrued things can be misunderstood also you have the isolation again um, with the COVID over the last few years you know there's a lot of uncertainty when it comes to all this kind of stuff. And uncertainty is the main core of where anxiety comes from. And, you know, just the basic understanding these kids just. Don't seem to have it a lot of the time and coaches are getting frustrated and, you know, angry or whatever their tactic style may be. And, you know, after the games, talking to kids for a long time, reiterating things they say, getting frustrated about what they say. But I think sometimes we need to step back and realize that our own life experiences are ours. We lived through those. We we played. We we did what we did. And our job as coaches is to, you know, kind of calm down and meet these kids where they are and make sure that they understand the definitions of what it is we're saying. I think a lot of um, people talk at the kids, but sometimes they don't stop and listen to the kids or question the kids. You know, a lot of kids are not going to raise their hand randomly and say, "Hey, coach, I don't understand what you said. Could you explain that to all of us?" Because these kids, a lot of time, high school, college level. I mean, a lot of times they're fighting for a position, and or they're thinking something, but they're not totally confident to say it. And I think our expectation is that, well, if they had a problem, they would let me know. Or if they didn't understand, they're going to ask. You know, even if you are that coach who's patient and you're like, hey, guys, communicate with me, these kids don't have a lot of times that confidence to communicate. They don't have that tool. It's a capability issue. And coaches, a lot of times, take it personally and then go on an attack. And I've seen it a lot lately is just the level, I mean, if we even step back further, the level of Domestic violence, child abuse is at an all time high, you know, adolescent suicide, all time high. These are, I mean, athletes are committing suicide. We just saw that with, you know, the Stanford college soccer player, soccer star. She was one of the most well loved and liked kids on the campus. And these kids are not going to show, especially athletes, we don't show We don't wear it on our sleeve that we're having a tough time. We want everyone to think we're great. We're fine. Put me in coach. I'm totally fine. I see it all the way up to the big league level. And so it's very important for coaches to step back and, and take a breath and realize that, you know, just because, you know, just because you're expecting these things, these kids sometimes don't have that gear yet. And to be able to teach that gear comes with having to meet them where they are. You know, when you say, Hey, go out there and be aggressive. I've asked kids, what does that, I've surveyed teams, what does that mean to you when the coach says that? Well, I just go up and swing hard at everything. I just, I just go up and scrap. It's like being aggressive is, to me, a kid that has, a, has an approach and is executing his approach at a plate. You know, that's an aggressive mindset. That's an intense mindset. That's even a confident mindset because you start to realize, you know, I tell my guys, your confidence doesn't live in your results. Your confidence has to live in your process because then it's unshakable. It doesn't mean that it doesn't get shaken because I think being confident is something that we all have to, as human beings, address and work on every day because it can be shaken by life's smallest things. But when it comes to the pressures that these kids are under before they ever even get to a baseball field or a sport field, you know, I think a lot of times we just go into automatic as coaches and you're just kind of operating and you have an expectation you know, but if you're operating out of expectation, a lot of times in my mind, it's you're operating based on results and being results driven and teaching these kids to play to the results and they better, you know, it's an entitled mindset. You know, if the kid's like, oh, I hit three hours in the cage, I should get a hit. And then they're pissed. I'm like, what are you entitled? You're not entitled to a hit just because you work hard. You know, how was, how was your process? How did you execute it? Were you commanding your zone? Did you go in? Was it a predator mindset or was it the prey? Where were you? You know, my my kids that I work with, we have a language and that language didn't start because I met them and started throwing up all my experience on them, that it, it started because I asked the pertinent questions so that I can meet them where they are. I think it's also important that when kids have questions or kids are going through certain things, you know, a, a big relationship trust thing to, is to be able to connect with them and have the ability to say, I don't know but let me call you back. Um, let me process this. I don't know, but I'll get back to you with that. That that relates to them because they also don't know. They need to be able to relate to you. They need, they need to have information that lands. And a lot of times they're not even in a position for your information as well intended as it may be. That information doesn't land for these kids. And they're sitting there with all this information and even more pressure now because they're thinking, gosh, he just told me what I need to go do, but I don't truly totally understand what he means by go up there and be confident because right now I I'm not confident because I have maybe things going on off the field and then, you know, pressures on the field, you know, baseball is a game of failure and I think it's one of the most beautiful games. It's the perfect game in in my eyes that teaches us, uh, life, life experiences. You know, there's so many times where you hear people just talking that have never played the game and they use terminology from baseball. It's just that universal, But it's also a mental game. And, you know, being able, having the ability as a coach to teach feel in a game that you can't be a robot in. An analysis can't write down things that teach feel, teach intuition, and allow these kids to feel confident enough to express and execute their own feel in what they're doing. A lot of these kids go out on the field, they don't even know their job. You know, you ask a pitcher, what's your job? To throw strikes. That's not the pitcher's job pitcher's job is to execute pitches. What's a hitter's job? Oh, I don't know, get up and get a hit the ball. Well, he has to be doing something. He has to he has to have his mind right before he ever does it or he's going to be he's already he's already beat and without even knowing it. If their mind's not right, they got to be organized. They got to have these tools and you know, I think everybody needs that mentor and if the coach is not capable of it, then the coach needs a mentor so he can go out and do a better job. I always say like when I was teaching jujitsu, if I give a technique to the class and I turn around and majority of people aren't doing it right, then it's my fault. I got to stop, hey, time out. I'm going to reshow that because even if I showed it just because I understand it and I, I did show it properly, but maybe it's not at the level that these people are understanding and I've got to be able to be you know, humble enough to say, time out. That's my fault. I'm going to reshow this step to you. I'm going to do it like this. The how-to and all the ideas and all the well-intended information that coaches deliver, the how-to has never been more important. And even big leaguers, I'm telling you, 28-year-old millionaires playing baseball need these same how-to adjustments. You know, things that we speak about off the field or on the field as coaches have to translate as very simplified tools to these young people. And that is when you start seeing really steep improvement curves and you see their confidence come up. They start playing to something called a standard. You know, as a coach, you got to ask yourself, what's what's my standard out here? You know, I, I went to UCLA. I was, I was very blessed to be able to go to a place with a high standard that when you stepped in there, you better beat to that drum and then hopefully contribute to raising that standard. And the standard is, who am I? Who What kind of friend am I? What kind of sister am I? What kind of mother? What kind of student am I? What kind of athlete am I? What do I stand for? What do I commit to? because that translates to me committing those same things to me doing my job. But first I need to know what my job is. I need to understand and have my job broken down so it's simplified for me. And then and then be prepared, be organized and have and have that, you know, those people behind me that believe in me. So it's a it's a big deal and meeting meeting these athletes where they are has never been more important because they have all been isolated. They all are anxious whether they show it or not. And they're all just learning how to build their confidence. And, and that's a big deal for them to be whole people. And I think sometimes, you know, people get aggro or they forget. Or, you know, lately what I've been seeing is these colleges, they think these coaches treat these kids like it's the freaking Navy SEALs. If they wanted to go to the Navy SEALs, they would go join the Navy. Baseball's a mental game. So why on earth are these kids' heads being scrambled mentally before they ever get out there? Like they got to be broken down or, you know, grinded. I'm all about, you know, breaking down divas and being a freshman and and getting shit on sometimes. That's sometimes what it takes. But you know what? You got to have ability to have a feel yourself and to bring these kids in and make them better. And if they're not getting better or they're so unhappy because they're so confused and they don't know what doing something right is, then some, some, somebody else has the problem, you know, and there's this, you know, air going on. Oh, these kids are softer. Well, so what if they are, then we need to help them to work out of that, especially, especially the men. Like we, you gotta, you gotta help them be better men, help them be more confident, capable men that doesn't come by grinding harder when they're already grinded down to nothing or they're defeated. So you go kick the dead horse it's like it just I, I just don't understand how people think they can build a winning culture when the mental and physical well-being of kids is not at number one. Number one, if you don't have the tools to do it, go hire somebody to come in and speak to your team. Go get somebody. There's so many people out there in sports psychology would love to come and do internships or offer their time or their service, because if that's what they're in the line of work for, then that's what they're, they're there to do. There is no excuse. To me, there is no excuse. Well, this kid doesn't listen, or he needs this, or he needs that. Hey, take some laps. That's great, but the mental well-being is a big deal. The physical well-being is a big deal. A lot of these kids are hurt. They're hiding it. They're too afraid. They feel that they're going to get punished, or they feel like somebody's making them feel like they're faking injury if they're not doing something, you know, more, or they're not all in, or they're not a team team player and all bought in on on the team if they're not out there killing themselves over it. You know, the game of baseball, it's a long season. And a lot of these kids that get to the college levels and these, you know, D1s um, are are looking to go to that next level or even the, you know, top JUCOs. Baseball is so competitive right now, especially with this extra year and kids getting pushed down, pushed, pushed around. And these kids are anxious. They're sad. I get on the phone with big leaguers and they'll cry. College kids. The anxiety is, it's just, it's, it's leveled up in a different way. And it makes me, it, I get off the phone sometimes and I just shake my head or I see these situations. I go in and work with kids on these fields and these programs, you know, and then, you know, to the parents, you know, it's, it's gotta be tough on you when you see your kids struggling, but it is so important to be the parent. These kids have one mom, one dad, or, you know, if you have step parents, but for the most part, be the parent. They have one mom They're gonna have a hundred coaches, one dad, be the dad. That is so important. And, you know, even me, I have a college kid who plays sports and, you know, I have a million things I could be saying all the time, but I just try to stay in my place and be the mom when he wants to talk. Cool. I'm here. And it's hard to do. I know it's hard to do. And I know that you want to fight for your kid and go out and do that. Or when they're getting recruited and, and the pressure that they have, you know, it, not every kid is a D one athlete, even if you think they might be, I mean, they need to choose that's their journey. We are their influence. We are their support. We are their unconditional love system. And when you're a coach and those kids choose you, just remember that they had other choices a lot of the time and and show them the respect they deserve and and make them better. Want to leave your legacy on them by the things they say and how you allowed them to feel when they leave. Because I can tell you, going to UCLA and playing under one of the toughest coaches ever, you know, you get, you get ground down but we go down as a team and we come up as a team and they knew how to break us down and build us back and teach us that breakthroughs come from breakdowns. And we learned to trust that and we won. There's nothing we wouldn't have done. There's big leaguers who will tell you, I'll walk through a wall for these people, this coach, this manager, this skipper. They don't say that because they're being treated like a bud student when they're not in buds. It's just, it's just not, it's not appropriate for, for these kids at this time and do I think that certain beatdowns, you know, make kids stronger? Yes, but it's a certain kind and, it, and it's also the build back. So it's a big deal. The, the, the environment right now is, it, it, makes, me, it makes me sad. And, and I know that coaches need to come together and, and they need to sometimes step back and, and be able to go, you know what, maybe I need to readjust maybe I don't know everything. I always tell the kids, you know, sometimes when you see coaches that behave this way, it's just people. Um, it's people that stop growing. It's people that made a choice to stop evolving that think they know everything. They think they're the expert and they're just enforcing their way. And the sad part is, is the kid will say, well, what do I do? And I'm like, you know, you got to number one, try not to take that personally. You got a number two, make a commitment to yourself to never let anyone steal your joy. Nobody gets the power to steal your joy or your passion from this game. Nobody does. And and that that sits with them. But at the same time they're like, "Well, this guy makes the lineup. So now what do I do?" You know? And that's where I just get super irritated because there's not much I can say. It's like go out and let your bat do the talking. Let this but when the opportunities because of personal differences or whatever it may be, what do you what do you say to a kid? at that point. That's where, you know, shame on the coaches for allowing kids to feel that way, you know, or if, if your kid, if you get kids at certain levels that, you know, don't belong there, instead of beating them down, redirect them, pick up a phone and say, there's a better program for you that I think you're ex- like, you'll excel in. Like, I just, I don't know, doing the right thing isn't always convenient, but I'm committed to doing the right thing. And, and that's just how I how I see and understand and how I have, I believe I have success in what I do. And, um, you know, I, that's, that's what I'm passionate about. These kids deserve to have opportunities and people around them that want the best for them, you know, and, and they also have to want it. They have to step up and have the work ethic. Things are not going to be handed to them. And a lot of times in this generation, things have been handed. You know, we want them to be resilient. We want them to be accountable. We want them to be all these things but when a coach after the game is doing all the talking and kids are just nodding you know point at the kid hey what is what is it what do i mean by what i said what does that mean to you what i said well uh, uh i don't know well you nodded so if you're nodding and you don't know then take a lap that's that's where a beat down comes in handy cuz then they learn okay um i i am not gonna just nod i can't stand that when i'm talking to kids are nodding i like you guys know what i mean yeah okay what do i mean and they're like oh i, I don't i don't know take a lap I mean, come on, you know, that's, that's accountability. And then they come back. What do you think I meant? I don't know. Thank you. That's a great answer. That's an honest answer. I trust you when you can say, I don't know. And it's okay not to know. It's also okay not to be okay. But that's an environment that, that you build as a coach where kids feel comfortable. They come between those white lines and they know they can take a deep breath and it's their place to go perform and work hard, but that they have people around them that want the best for them and are willing to go down and pull them out of those rabbit holes with everything they have. And if they don't have it, I don't know, but I will find someone to help you. Those are the kids that'll run through walls for you. Big leaguers that'll run through walls for you.
0: Okay. Let me, let me ask you this question. This is tremendous stuff. We have many coaches on here that coach youth baseball. We have kids, we have parents. I want to go to the coach part of it what do you think in in your experience with the kids that you're talking with the major league players the college players you're talking with what can the college how can the college coaches listen better distinguish certain actions better
1: and just become better Better leaders? Because we're all people, Danielle. We
0: all make mistakes. Uh, we all see through different eyes. But how can coaches, just from your experience and what you're hearing from the people that you work with, what can they do better than they're doing?
1: I think the kids, that's a good question. I think the coaches um, can step back and they can do an overall view. Um, they can be honest to themselves about you know, is this program um, where I want it to be? If it is, if it isn't, I think, you know, first of all, nobody's robots. The kids are not robots. Baseball players, athletes are not robots and neither are the coaches. Um, I always say that about umpires, you know, kiddingly when they make terrible things and the crowd goes crazy, I will say like umpires are not robots and, you know, it's kind of a laughable thing, but it is the truth. We're all human beings and we're all perfectly imperfect in some way, shape or form. But I think, you know, and this is something I I really encourage the players I work with is identifying our weaknesses, identifying what we can do to be better all around. And I think when we are willing and, and vulnerable enough to work on our weaknesses, and we work on strengthening those, we therefore strengthen our strengths by doing that. And it's a, it's a very, compelling thing to see somebody who's willing to go do that, who's willing to say, guess what? I'm pivoting. um, And these are some of the things that we're going to work on. Being able to triage a team and get a true feel. And instead of just enforce and continue forcing, human beings, you know, when we try to force anything, you try to force relationships in your life or anything else, we, by nature, we fall short. So you take that to a baseball field and you start trying to force and enforce things, then you have to have the ability and the humility and the vulnerability um, as a coach to go, you know what, this isn't working, and I either need to seek some consultant or maybe call a fellow coach and be like, hey, what would you do? Or maybe somebody I respect that I think is a badass in their field. They don't have to be a baseball player. You can ask somebody something about something and get tremendous feedback and then turn around and blanket that over what you're doing in front of you, and it usually translates pretty well. It's it's one of those things where you're like, wow, they said this, and I did this in my program, and it turned things around. Um, you know, this is an interesting concept. So people talk a lot about mechanics, mechanics, mechanics. My mechanics are off. So in Brazilian jiu-jitsu, um, what I do, it's all about technique and leverage beating strength. So strength it you know the muscle whatever the technical and leverage beat it in a fight a lot of the time so it's about the young the littler person protecting himself against a bigger person so it's a lot like hitting right and when you when you look at things like that and you're like well my technique it's my technique the mechanic the being the mechanic of hitting is me holding a bat i'm a hitter with a with a bat so if i translate that to me being a coach my mechanics of coaching I could have little technical aspects that are off in my craft of coaching. And sometimes that little technical aspect isn't really that far. The adjustment is really not that far out of reach for me. But when we look at things as my mechanics are off, it starts to become this big problem. It's like, oh, it's going to be way too much work to pivot and change these little things. But when we're willing to accept that maybe our technique is a little off and could be better in the mechanics of coaching... You'd be so surprised how quickly a little adjustment changes an energy flow or an attitude adjustment or maybe the tone of how I talk or something. So being willing as a coach to go, hmm, what are my weaknesses? If I was going to sit down and write on a list, what makes me confident as a coach? What do I think I excel at? What's my best thing about being a coach? And a lot of times you're going to hear kids, you know, talking or survey the team. That's another great way. I'd survey the team or have someone else confidentially survey your team and then meet meet with that person. And you're going to learn a lot about what those guys think of you, what they think of the program, where they think it could be better. It's all about asking and connecting and listening. But even when coaches don't feel comfortable because sometimes they're like, hey, I'm not really ready to hear that or there's an excuse. We're getting ready for the season or the season started. We can't do that right now. You'd be surprised because technical aspects could be a half little inch and I will get a choke and win a fight. So that little half inch changes so much. And, and when you have that little half inch mentally, emotionally, and you really are want to be the best coach you can be and your best self and grow as a person and continue growing, having a student mindset, there's nothing greater than that. You will be successful. You will be better if you're willing to say, hey, where can I be better? And so those are maybe some of the things that I think coaches could do Um, it's not as much work as what I've just explained. I threw out a lot of examples, but I think the number one thing to go back is just randomly survey the team and not have them put their names. You can have them type it out, send questions out, ask questions of things you want to know that you really want to know. And you're ready to be, you know, have an honest conversation with the team. You'd be surprised what they say. But if you bring in somebody out on the outside that'll do it confidentially, you're going to get even more honest answers because kids, kids are scared. They just are. They, there's a lot of fear out there. It's like when you go to spring training and you have all the minor, there's fear. They're worried about what everyone thinks. And I always tell people, baseball, sports are not Instagram. It's not about likes and validation. You know, sometimes it's so important to get these guys to understand their process and to be conf- confident in their process and their approach in their game and their craft of what they're doing. And then having the ability to make decisions. How many times are we like, hey, where do you wanna go eat? I don't know, where do you wanna go? Like, how much do we love when someone's like, hey, let's go to, we're gonna go eat pizza. You're like, oh, thank you. That's so great, you made a decision. You gotta remember some of these kids don't, they don't know how to make a decision. They're not confident enough to make a decision, a basic decision. You know, it's just, it's about simplifying. It's about going down to the, the fundamentals and being like, gosh, How can I inspire this team? How can I get them to trust me and to connect to me so that they will run through walls for me so they do understand? And that's a coach out there who's just continuing to have the student mindset and always learning. And he's translating that, influencing his kids to do the same.
0: Okay, so let me ask you this. You know, there's a ton of kids on here and kids are going to listen to this this, uh, clinic tonight. How would you coach a student athlete, to go talk to their coach about their situation on their team? Because I hear it every day in my dugouts and different dugouts, you know, I, I don't know how to go talk to my coach. How would you coach a kid that just wants to talk to his coach and communicate with him so he could find out? why this isn't happening or why this is not happening how would you coach them to do that
1: so i've i've done this several times i really highly encourage kids um, to communicate to their coaches i tell them hey baseball is a game of communication so you're you need to learn these skills you know as nervous as they are the more nervous they are usually what we'll do and I've literally done this for big leaguers too who needed to have some serious conversations with maybe a manager or a GM or something is we will um we'll do the conversation and I'll I'll play you know the person the coach or I'll be them and we'll switch roles and we'll, we'll talk it through all the what-ifs that could possibly come up that my might think will come up what will they say and I and I prepare them no different than if they're going to be prepared for before a game, a routine before their game, but t- talking to them and telling them and giving them the perspective too, like, Hey, this person, you never know what they're going through. Cause I hear from kids. Well, he, he, he might not listen or he, but what if this was that? I'm like, okay. So there's a lot of what ifs in life, but you got to understand too, that not taking everything personally and being that sensitive in situations is also important for your growth. And you need to be accountable to like your emotional state and you're taking that energy in there. So if you want something from this coach or you want to know something from this coach, then be sim- simply ask him and talk to them. And we'll usually go through it. I'll say, so I'm the coach. You come in and talk to me. Well, what are you going to say? You know, and they're so nervous. I think we expect that they um, are really good at communication at a certain level. And just some of them are just not or they're not comfortable or they'd rather just not do it and keep continuing to let things go be the same. You know, even even bad habits or uncomfortable situations, they become a habit and it's more comfortable than doing something new and different that may see them out of that rabbit hole that they're in or the questions that are that are going on. The what ifs, you know, there's always going to be what ifs in in the game of baseball. It's, It's just it's bigger than all of us. There's a reason why the statistics have never changed. And and it's a tough game. It's it's mentally tough. It's emotionally tough. It's physically tough game. So there's a lot of components, but communication is a big deal. I'm like,
0: Hey, okay. I'm sorry. Go ahead.
1: You got to communicate on the field, right? You got to communicate in your position. You got to go out there and do that. So it's the communication now it's off the field. And when the coach knows that you have that ability, they're going to have more confidence in even playing you. I think they're going to be really impressed and they're going to even want to play you more because I'm like, I didn't even know that that kid could talk to me like that. So, and then the kid's kind of like, huh, I never thought of that. I'm like, exactly. So what's the harm? The coach deserves to know how you feel. You're a part of his team. He deserves to know what's going on. So I always try to give it both ways, especially when a kid's scared. And even if a coach has been rough on a kid, like, you know, you don't know why he's rough. Ask him, hey, coach, or, or this this offends me. I mean, they want to be, they want the feedback too. They're, hopefully coaches are there with well-intended and wanting to get better themselves. So give him, give him the benefit of the doubt and go in. You've got nothing to lose. You know, and it takes some kind of, tapping hey have you ca- talked to the coach yet no not yet because of that i'm like okay so you know i want to be like hey take a lap don't call me and have me spend that time with you to coach you on how to go talk and communicate to your coach in a way that be a gentleman be a gentleman be a be a class act and if kids are pissed off or they're they're steaming i'm like listen you get more with honey than you do vinegar so calm down get a hold of yourself drop your f bombs here and now and then let's pull let's pull it together and go have a conversation be a gentleman you know, if you want respect, you got to give respect, and you got to command that, and 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 you'll probably get it. You'll probably blow him away. He probably doesn't know you have this gear of being able to communicate. And if you don't, then we're going to learn right now.
0: Okay, so let me ask you this. Let's. I want to ask one more question uh, about kids, and then I want to go to the p- parents' role in, in all of this, and your your feelings with parents. You know, in today's game, uh, there's more and more kids showing emotion bat flips, you know, uh, watching home runs that are, you know, for us old school guys, it's just not the way we dealt with things. And, you know, you always showed class to the game. You didn't disrespect the other team. Uh, Like it appears that they are today, but I think emotion is really good myself. But for you, how do these guys handle this kind of success with gratitude and humility, how would you coach them to keep it with those two, with their success with uh, gratitude and humility?
1: Um, You're breaking up a little bit. Did you say gratitude and vulnerability?
0: Gratitude and humility.
1: Okay. Got you. Um, First of all, gratitude is at the top of my list. I objectify the first step on the field for my big leaguers and the the young guys I work with um, as being objectified as the first step is gratitude when you walk through the tunnel it's the tunnel of gratitude when you walk through the gates onto the field it's the gates of gratitude it's the first step is represents gratitude i'm so grateful to be here i'm grateful for my health for the fact that my body operates the way it does i am so grateful for the people the coaches and my teammates all around me and I'm grateful for, for everything right in front of me. And then boom, take your breath and and haul ass out to your position. And and so it's a, it's a big one. And I think during the season when they're having that success, I kind of have a phrase I like to use and I'm always like, we're not drinking Kool-Aid yet. You know, I don't want to see you drinking your Kool-Aid because you have a great weekend or you have this or you have that. Be humbled by it. Stay hungry in this game because baseball will come Kick you in the butt the minute you do great and think that you you own this game or you're bigger than this game, and you're not humbled by this game. Even the even the great things that do happen, um, it'll come get you. So don't drink your Kool Aid. Stay humble. Stay hungry. Head down. Stay working hard and have that work ethic and eyes up and be prepared and and continue polishing that preparation. So that's a big one with me. Even you know I I dropped a hoodie, a True Mindsets hoodie um, last year, and down the left arm. Um, it says gratitude. On the back of the T-shirt, it says gratitude because that is such a big one for me. And I think these kids sometimes have had these amazing parents and you have platforms like Perfect Game out there that you know are expensive, but they're incredible. They're incredible platforms. But these parents are working their butts off to get these kids to be seen, the videos and all the scouting and all the pressure that goes on parents too. These kids, it just sometimes becomes automatic. Because these kids are being hit. hey, next weekend, you're going here. Oh, thanks, whatever. And they just move along and they're just, they're used to this. They're used to that, you know, high speed, playing all these different sports. They've got rec league, little league, then they've got travel ball. Now they're doing showcases and they're all over the place. Like They forget sometimes what's gone into this. And, and who's been there and who's helped carry them there or coaches that have given them opportunities to come and have their D1, D2, D3, their platform and, and put these kids out there. Like if you lose gratitude in this game, then for me, you lose, you lose. And I, I've always noticed like the guys that start losing their gratitude, they do, they they fall down. I don't care how good of players they are. I have multi all-stars and, you know, golden glove guys and, it's it's they've got they've surpassed the gratitude piece at certain times and and it's not because they're bad guys they just were like oh my gosh like that helped me so much in my downtimes especially maybe i'm not getting hits every day or you know they're barreling up and the ball's not fa- falling and media's talking and you know all the things that and distractions and noise that can get into their head that gratitude piece has brought them to center and i'll say this science says that when gratitude is present anxiety cannot be present So in moments and and finding breath and letting their breath take them, I teach them a lot of breath work. And these guys are using breath work in between pitches. And that gratitude piece is really kind of like the switch. That's the doorway. I, I have them walk through into their preparation, into everything they do. So to me, it's everything. When we're grateful for the little things every day, um, it'll get you out of dark places. I've been in dark places and it was one of my saving graces is just to be grateful for the very basics. And, And some of the kids that have not had that or been taught that or even thought about that, I usually say, hey, in the morning, I want you to get up. I want you to write down three things you're grateful for. And then I want you to objectify. Like, you know, we have uh, triggers for beast mode. What, What are you putting on your cleats? It's now it's time for beast mode. And, you know, what objectifies gratitude for you besides the things I gave you? And some of these kids will come up with more things. But in the morning, write three things down that you're grateful for. Just do it. And then one act of kindness towards yourself because student athletes, they're hard on themselves. They have high expectations for themselves and everyone around has high expectations for them. Big leaguers too. So one act of kindness for yourself And one act of kindness towards someone else. So my big leaguers, you're driving into the park your car and the parking attendant guy, like, do you know his name? Do you ever bring him a coffee? Do you know what that means to him? Because you're batting average, you can be great, you can be this all-star, but you're not great until I want to hear the people, the workers, the people that are helping you to do what you do, saying great things about you. To me, that's the greatest players. You know, these, these young kids, especially the, the high-level prospective kids I have right now at the college level, being able to have them and working with them and them learning these tools now and, and this piece, this gratitude piece, not only has calmed them down and helped pacify a lot of the anxiety and, and helped them stay calm and see things rationally, um, but they're learning to be grateful for parents, the efforts, grateful for coaches even when they're not the best coach sending them compassion and saying, you know what, he's saying this, it's not working for me. And I always say, be coachable. The guy's not perfect. He doesn't have all your answers. And maybe even himself, he doesn't want to say he doesn't. Okay. He's, these guys are big leaguers, coaches, people, they're little kids in big boy bodies. I'm a little girl in a big girl body. You know, I'm still learning. I don't know everything. And being able to say, I don't know um, is, is humbling in itself. So teaching these guys, it's okay not to be okay you know, have gratitude, be kind. There is never an excuse not to be kind. We can say things, we can, hey, get the, get the flipping bunt down, let's go. I can get intense. I don't need to single kids out and rush, you know, rush them into the ground and smash them over it. Like I need to be the coach and say, hey, what, what is he not doing? I need to have that technical eye to help him out or whatever, the little things. The technical aspect of things is never far from your reach. Whether it's kindness, emotionally, mentally, physically, that technical aspect is always right near there. When the basic mechanic is being exercised, the technical aspect is usually right there. And, and you can win with that. With that gratitude piece, I, I always say you can, you can win yourself out of really bad situations just being grateful.
0: That's great stuff. Let me ask you this now, uh, before I go to the parents. You know, there's a lot of kids that are like really, really good practice players. And they perform great in practice, but then they get into the games and they have problems. What are things that you do to help them raise their game performance?
1: Well, first of all, I have them start setting intention. I have them set intentions because science says that when we set intentions and we align them with actions that match those intentions, we're capable of extraordinary things. And that right there overly fascinates me so when kids understand what that means and then they understand setting intentions and you give them examples you not only transform their practice play but you help them to learn to be organized at practice so that when they do go into the game they they have a place to go it's more it's more like hey i can't wait to show you what i can do versus Oh God, I, I hope I can do this. Oh no. And, the, and that anxiety piece is pacified by teaching them intentional play and intentional performance, actionable things. Everything we talk about, um, especially in a game of baseball, like for instance, example, coaches a lot of time, hey, go look for strikes. There's neuroscience plays into this, okay? Because the brain hears go look. So it calms everything else. So your muscles are like, oh, no big deal. And go up there, look. How many times we see a guy go up there and he comes back to sit down, didn't swing the bat. And you're like, dude, did you not see the ball? What are you doing? Why didn't you swing? You just stood there. What are you doing? Well, he was successful in probably what we said, go look for strikes. Is it the wrong cue to say or tell him to go do? No, because we have a discipline um, in baseball that we've learned since little league balls and strikes. There's a probability. There's an equation going on at that plate. You know, that's a whole nother conversation, but Go look for my brain tells the muscles going, don't worry about swinging because the, the thing is to go look. So I'm always very um, I'm always very adamant about, OK, is is your words that are being said to yourself? I want you. Number one, you're at bat should start in the on deck circle, not not in the box. It's got to start before that. Then you're prepared. And they they love that. They're like, oh, I just feel more on time with that. Number two it, is your mindset. Is it defensive or is it offensive? That's an offensive position. And so many times the conversation, even from coaches, we don't really realize it until you really sit down and think about it and break it down. We're, we're giving defensive cues in an offensive situation. So I've got to be able to go in there and know that my my game, my, my setup is offensive because I'm now going in into an offensive situation. I want to absorb all the probability. So how do I make them better gamers is you teach them these things and they go exercise them at practice and you give them the drills to do it. So when you're warming up, everything is intentional. We have a certain amount of breaths we're going to take in this life. We have a certain amount of balls we're ever going to throw in our life. So you, you, you talk to them about this and you, and you talk to them about making things count in their life. Setting intentions is very powerful. For my big leaguers, it's life changing. How many guys that I have that used to come to me that are, I mean, complete badasses, And they're like, oh, I watch video and my wife's getting mad or I'm just watching video, I'm obsessive. I'm like, dude, if you set an intention and you operate off of that with quality everything, you put it all in there and you align it with the actions and do the best you can, then you shut it off and now your intentions turn towards me giving my attention to my family, to my wife, to my kids, or to whatever it is that's important to them. And they're able to calm down. When they play intentionally through the season, good or bad, they're able to have a great off season. I mean, I can't tell you over and over the guys are like, Danielle, my off season was completely different. I mean, I can't even believe it. I didn't think I could feel that way. Not anxious, not worried, not like freaking out. Spring training's already around the corner when the season ends because that's how it moves for them. You know, so the younger guys learning how to have intent and knowing what it means, there's layers of intent. And then playing with intention, they're a different ball player. Their, Their improvement curve is so steep, it's not even funny. And people start asking. What are, you, what are you doing? What are you doing differently? Kids start feeling confident because they go out and they have purpose in what they're doing right in front of them. They learn to compete with what's right in front of them. And once they do that and they, they, taste, the, they taste the rewards of that, they start becoming addicted to it. At first, it's uncomfortable. But I always tell them, if you work with me, it's you got to learn to be comfortably uncomfortable because I'm going to push you and I'm going to ask you and I'm going to dig in. I want to know you. I want to know what you think. I want to know what freaks you out. I want to know what makes you feel good. That's how I meet a player where they are. And that's where I go in and then try to build them up from there.
0: How can you um, how do you tell a player that's um, to to be able to handle adversity without a, a victim's mindset?
1: Well, first of all, I tell them adversity is a gift like failure. It, I don't want them making friends with failure. But I want you to respect and I want you to know that it lives all over that baseball field at all times on both sides. And, and everybody's a victim to it, but you don't have to have the victim mindset to it. You have to have a failure routine in life. I choose. I don't choose everything that happens to me, but I choose how I react to it. And when you give them that power in their mind, they don't feel like a victim anymore. Because we've prepared them. When this happens, this is what happens. My pitchers, my big league pitchers, I'll I'll give them stuff, I'll tell them exactly what to do. This is how you're gonna do this. Ball three is now your new ball four. So this is how you're gonna handle the situation. It's a failure routine. Failure is so big. How can we look at the statistics of baseball and say, gosh, you you succeed three out of ten times? Um, failing seven out of 10 times, but we only focus on the three. We only focus on what we're good at and keep trying to be better and pounding that three. I got to take the bigger number over there, the bigger number in the equation, which is seven times failing. By the way, nowhere else in the world will you have a job if you fail that many times and continue showing up with a job. But in baseball, it's special. We can do that. So let's look at that seven of failure. Do you think we should probably have a failure routine, not just a great hitting routine or approach routine or warm-up routine and all these other things? We have all these routines. But most of the kids, I'm like, do you have a failure routine? No. And a lot of times kids that are very emotional, say they're ripping up stuff or throwing stuff or getting pissed, physically getting upset, and then they're just being told, knock that off. So now they're, they're pushing it somewhere. So I always tell them, it's okay. It's okay to be pissed. But I want you to use that now. And this is where we're redirecting it. And they actually calm down because they're not being told not to do something. you know. I can't go up and try not to strike out. That is not an actionable, forward, positive, offensive mindset. So the same goes for the failure. I know it lives out here. I know no one out here wants it to happen to them. But if it comes my way, I can tell you right now, I know exactly what I'm gonna do. You miss a ball, bobble a ball, I always say, offers you an opportunity to make the badass throw from the outfield, and the runner goes, and he just gave me an opportunity. I get the opportunity to make him wanna quit. So please run on me. Does it mean I want to fail? No, but I know that it lives out there. So I've got to respect it. I've got to be humbled by it. I don't have to be friends with it, but I do have to have that respect. Having that respect goes both ways. I got to have respect for myself and prepare myself for it and know how I'm going to react before it ever happens. That's how you build their confidence on that back end, on that failure piece. And they start going, oh, I never thought of it like that. I can't tell you how many times I didn't even think of it like that. Well, yeah, it, it exists. You get to choose. You didn't get to choose that a ball was hit over your head or hit at you, bounced off you, or whatever happened, or you're hit by a pit. Like, but we get to choose how we react to that, and that empowers them.
0: Okay, let's talk about parents now. Let's talk about, you know, obviously we all love our kids, and we, we want the best for our kids. And what, through all your years of doing this, what are the biggest mistakes parents make? So the, I mean, there's parents on this, you know, so they want to, they want to know what they shouldn't say after a game and what advice could you give them are things that you don't say and things that you do say?
1: Well, um, I have a lot of compassion for parents because I am one, I have two boys that I raised by myself and they're both athletes and um, they have two parents that were pro athletes. So you can imagine, you know, it, it gets heated up in the house. It can, it has the potential to do that. But for me, I think, and, and for other people, your home should represent, you know, in mine, it's three things. It's, are, is it peaceful? Do they feel secure here? Do they feel loved? And I, you know, those are important things for me. And I, I realize I've coached my kids both in their little league all the way up to, you know, their travel ball. And then I, I backed off. And I realized like, I want other people coaching them. I want them to be out there doing their thing because I need to be mom. You know, my kids have just me. So it's important even more so that I am the parent. I am the unconditional, loving, peaceful, secure space that they can walk into. If I'm constantly talking to them about their baseball, why did this happen? Why did you do this? We talked about that. Like, First of all, I, I fortunately have played this game. I understand how difficult and challenging it is. I also understand the failure rate. It's going to happen a lot. But they're going to have hundreds of coaches. Like I said earlier, they have one mom. They have one parent. And and they need you. I mean, I talked. I have a couple college kids, um, even big leaguers, that are like, I can't stand it. My dad still calls me. It's like, why would you strike out? What's this? And he's an all-star. And he's like, I don't get it. My dad never played the game. But he's constantly the first one in this guy's head all the time and in, in the college kids' heads. And they're like, I really want to go home and see my mom. But I don't want to – I just don't want to deal with it. I don't want to hear – about baseball I just want my parents to chill you know and it's like we I understand um the intensity from parents that that feel these ways that think but we can't want more for our kid than they want for themselves and that just means like you just love your kids so much and you're like I see you I see your potential like let's go let's do this but we've been there we had our time whether you did or you didn't and now it's their time it's their journey you know I I deliberately stayed out of the recruiting process with my kid you know, I do. I did. I think he was a D1. Maybe. But I played D1 sport, you know, softball. And I was like, it's not for everybody. You know, it it, it takes a certain mindset. And it takes a certain kind of kid to go battle that and to be able to handle it at this level. And I can't even imagine it now. It's different than even when I played. The pressure is even higher. You know, some of these kids are not D1 kids and they're being made to feel by their parents that if they don't go D1, they're a failure. You fail like they don't they're scared. Some of them don't want to play. I surveyed a team recently, travel ball, a a really high competitive travel ball team. And there were like six kids on there that said that wrote, I play because my dad wants me to. I don't want to play at the next level, but I'm scared to tell my parent that, you know, and it's like, oh, that punched me in the chest. And, you know, fortunately, I've been able to see and hear from these kids. And it's always a reminder to me to back off, to just be mom to love them. And if they want to talk baseball, you know, my oldest, like, mom, I need your help. I want you to help me now. Like then I'm there. But I always say mom's leaving mental coach is sitting down because I don't want the defense. I don't want to hear it. The minute you kick back at me, I'm just telling you as if you're just a kid I work with. And that's how I treat them. But there's days I'm like, I don't want to be his coach anymore. Like, I wish I could go hire someone else. If he would work with someone else, I would do it because I always want to preserve him wanting to come to me just to be loved by me. They need that more than ever in this world. It's so lonely being at the top of anything. It's lonely at the top. They say that for a reason. You know, the last thing we want right now in the way the world is right now, the divisiveness in the world right now, you should never want more than now your kids coming to you when they're scared, they're hurt, they're worried, they need you like that, because they're like, oh, I I don't want to hear about the baseball or the sport. Like, I just want my mom. I just want my dad. I've literally had kids say that to me. Big boys say that and cry. And I've helped them to write text messages or to confront or to communicate that to their parent. And I have to explain to them, you know, I'm a mom. And so I'm going to take your parents' perspective really quick. I'm going to explain it to you so that you're not mad at them, so you have compassion for them and you can calm down and you can speak to them. They want to know. We don't come with parent booklets. We don't. We wish we did some days. You're sitting there going, what am I going to do? Or you're, you're, you're so sad because somebody else doesn't see what you see in your kid and you start getting pissed and passionate about it. Let your kid find their journey. I have a kid that was at a big D1 now at a JUCO. I said, you're like an, you're an arrow. You, you're, the arrow doesn't go anywhere unless you pull it back. That's who you are right now. That's what you represent. Now he just committed to another big D1. Had to go to a JUCO for a second. Parents, you know, worried, concerned. He almost didn't ever want to play baseball again. And then now he's he did so he's doing so well this year. has scouts calling him on top of like deciding if he even wants to play at a D1 anymore. You know, like things happen. Their journey is not going to be a straight road. It's not going to be what we think or expect it to be. And we should just love them and support them and protect them best we can. Sometimes by doing that, you're just off to the side in the stands being mom, being dad. And it's the greatest thing because that is what they want. That's just what I hear all the time.
0: That's, so. that's fantastic. I, I love the uh, peaceful, secure love. I love that. Yeah. Um, D- Danielle, meet Walter Beatty, Mr. Beatty. will you ask uh, Miss Danielle the question that one of the kids once answered? I sure will. Danielle, pleasure to meet you. Pleasure. I have a student athlete, and his question is, how can players manage being anxious before and during games
1: that's a great question and i appreciate you asking that question to me so anxiety comes from not knowing right it's uncertainty am i going to today or am i not am i going to come up short or am i going to be you know the guy today and i think that we have a nervous system not i think but we do we have a nerve we have a nervous system and the nervous system has a sympathetic side to it and a parasympathetic side. And my players that I work with, they know this, and it and it's pretty cool. Because the sympathetic is our fight or flight. And the parasympathetic is our relaxed, our relaxed mode. When we're relaxed, we're able to get out of our own way and allow all that hard work, your mechanics, your technique to work through you. That means you get to move through that space free and really go play the game of baseball. And actually when people say, hey, go have some fun, like take the weight off. But the cool thing is, is we can use, we're, we're breathing already, right? We're already breathing. We're taking breaths. Um, the reflex to get our breath to breathe is our greatest reflex as a human being that we'll ever have. So if we have the ability to say, hey, let me get, let me pull my nervous system from the fight or flight and and really manually put it into a relaxed place, I can do that. I can do it before the game and I can do it during the game. And that happens when we do an inhale. So the nose maybe four to five ratio, meaning like as long as my exhale is longer than my inhale, I am manually pushing my nervous system into a parasympathetic nervous system, which is my relaxed nervous system. And I can really physically relax in that moment. You're going to feel your shoulders relax, the tension move out, and you're going to have a much better ability to step in and do what you need to do. I think Also, nerves. Nerves are a great sign that you love what you do. I always say, if I ever go into a fight in jujitsu or kids go out and they play the game or big leaguers go in in front of all those fans and they're not a little bit nervous, then go find a new sport because it means it's just your time is done there. When you lose those nerves, then worry. So don't be worried about having nerves. Be grateful. Say, gosh, This just means I love what I do and I want to do it so well. That means you're right where you're supposed to be. And you can take those nerves and you can use them and use them as fuel to your fire as a player. It's just a matter of learning how to do that. But one of the best ways is with your breath. You can physically, manually push yourself into that relaxed mode. So I usually tell my hitters, your focus at the plate is not to hit the ball. Your focus is to relax so that your mechanics and your technique work for you. Because a lot of times when we're nervous, we start trying to micromanage and manually do things when, and then that's when I always say, like, you're in your own way. I see you. Your, your swing's fine. All the things are fine. You're just in your own way. And a lot of times anxiety, it can get us off balance. So we create a checklist of the priorities um, of what it's going to take for us to go do our job. So when I know my job, then that, that helps me too, right? Because I'm not just going, oh, I, I hope I can do this. You're like, oh, I, I know what I need to go do. And I'll tell you, in the game of baseball, we're never guaranteed the result. Because if I go up and I barrel up on a ball and somebody catches it, I technically did my job. I did my job very well, as a matter of fact. So I've got to be able to go sit down and and be okay with that because I'm not entitled to a hit every time. But if I can go up and control the things that I can control and I do a good job of doing that, that's me executing my process, then I can take those breaths. I can use them to calm down a little bit. And when I'm focused... And on competing on what's right in front of me, believe it or not, I'm less anxious in that moment because the noise goes away. I know what I'm doing. I know my job and I'm doing everything I know I need to do to get the best chance of absorbing the probability to execute and do my job and have success. So success in baseball, unfortunately, doesn't always mean we get the hit. Success can look like, hey, I'm barreled up four times. I was 0 for 4, but I loved my at-bats. It felt so good. I barreled up on these balls. And you know what? I was relaxed. I was successful in being able to relax. So that's the best way to to manage the nerves.
0: That's a great answer. Thank you. Last question for you tonight. You've been on here for over an hour. That was, it's been beautiful. I uh, totally appreciate your words and what you're conveying and the help you're giving people. So thank you so much. My last question for you tonight would be, Danielle, If you can give these people, these are baseball people, you know, these are people that love their kids and want the best for their kids. And the the players want to be the best that they can be. What's some advice you would give them so they have success, not only in baseball, but in life.
1: Just to go out and, and and be grateful for the opportunities and grateful for the moments that we have, because we're going to blink and baseball will be over. And you'll be looking back, probably saying, those are some of the best years of my life regardless, because this game is very special. It's got a magical thing about it. And, you know, I always say baseball for guys, it's like, you know, baseball is mostly a men's sport. Obviously, there's some women out there who play baseball, but baseball is like the hottest chick you will ever date. She's pretty abusive, but you keep coming back for more, right? We just, we come back every time because you fall in love with it, no matter on its best days or its worst days, you come back. And I think in life, you got to remember, there's days that we want to give up, we want to quit, we don't want to deal, some people don't want to be here anymore. I think every one of us has gone through that feeling if you're a human being. But you got to remember that tough times are temporary. And quitting, it's, for, it's forever. Quitting is a pain, it's a, it's a depression that you will have a very tough time pulling yourself out of later, you may regret. And there's, there's so many messages um, to learn failure. It's, it's for us to learn from it, to know what not what we shouldn't be doing or what we should go do. And so being out there and really respecting where you show up to and continue showing up is such a big deal. And that's just in life. I think three things that come to mind is like, do I belong? Do I make a difference? And do I bring value? When we can answer those three things anywhere we are and doing anything that we're doing, that's usually a good marker of like, okay, I I can answer these questions. And yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, and even on the days you think you don't bring value, I can tell you that you do. You really, really do. When a team, when somebody leaves a team or leaves a family or leaves a, a workspace, it makes a difference. It changes the energy. It changes flow. It changes a lot more than you realize. So just go out continuing, committing to raising your standard and, and don't, be so hard on the expectations with other people and even with yourself focus more on your standard and where you where your weaknesses lie and and be committed to making them better and being committed to allowing other people to move in the space too without so much judgment and you know be kind for me we control our attitude and we control our effort but we can be kind and and kindness goes a long way
0: wow awesome Danielle, again, thank you for your time. Loved having you on. I, I love your spirit. I love your energy. And it, it, uh, it's so uh I'm so thankful that you were on here tonight. Thank
1: you. Well, thank you for having me. Um uh, I feel so humbled. Some days I'm like, why am I the one here? But I'm here and I'm doing what I do and I'm really committed to giving my very best and and my on just being honest, you know, I'm not perfect at what I do. I don't know everything, but I'm committed to learning and even just being on here being asked these questions, I I learn things. So thank you guys for for having me i really appreciate it and i appreciate everybody who took their time tonight to to listen in i really do if there's anything i can do for your kids or other people that's what i'm here for yeah
0: please i mean if you do you want to put out an email or a number if somebody wants to reach you you can they can reach you
1: yeah they um they can reach me at uh martin danielle rosa at gmail that's my personal email and uh i'm on the email I'll answer you on the email and, um, you know, this is a really busy time of year, but I will get to you and um, whatever I can do to help you or support you in um, your journey as a player, as a parent. I'm still learning, too. So you could probably teach me some things um, or as a coach, you know, I, we are so lucky and so blessed and should be so humbled that kids are willing to show up for us and give us our time. So anything that we can all learn from each other. in I, you know, coaches, I really tip my hat to you. I know. I know what a demanding job it is. And some of the coaches out there, I'll say this to the parents and players that are listening, they're out there not getting paid. They're volunteering to be out there. And I think some people don't realize that. So thank you for your time your spirit and and for showing up for these kids because it matters.
0: Thank you.